This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Today on the Indo-Daily, holidaying on a shoestring in 2022. Well, as Ireland's cost of living rumbles on, the year ahead will likely see many of us shelve any extravagant holiday plans we may have had from missing out on travel over the last two years. But what if there's still a way to have a break without scraping the bottom of the rainy day fund? Our travel sprees on a shoestring, even a thing at a time when everything from food to fuel to simply keeping a roof over your head is going up and up. I'm Siobhan Maguire and today I'm joined by Paul O'Connella, travel editor at the Irish Independent, who's going to tell each and every one of us how we can still get away this year, even if uh, money is scarce. Paul, thank you so much for joining me. With the cost of living going up, travel is one of the first things that, that goes from, from what people can do. I think it is. Hi, Siobhan. It's lovely to speak to you and it's lovely to be back to the same old problems that we used to have before the pandemic. And in some ways, it's kind of nice to be talking about them because it signals that we can travel again. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Um I think when people see um, prices going up all around them and take my own household, for instance, I got a fright when I filled up the car at the pump this week. We've been chatting about our gas and electricity bills. We've been looking at our pensions dropping and uh, we've been looking at the price of like a, a coffee I bought. It was €3.20 last week. It was €3.40 yeah. this week. And just everywhere I look, it feels like prices are going up. And that kind of makes my own confidence in spending drop a little. I kind of start to wonder, oh, maybe do we need to do this or should we get that takeaway? And where um, that tends to hit first is on luxury or or uh, what would you call them? Kind of treats yeah. in our life. And think about the nice, uh, the nice boots you might have bought or the holiday that mm. brings us back to travel. And I think that's what people are getting a little bit worried about a little bit shaky on because we had in January seen a booking rebound. There's no doubt about it. Mm. But there are signs that this inflationary pressure plus Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which has just exacerbated the whole situation, are looking like they might um, send the the cost of, of holidaying up a little bit further and they may also make people worry a little bit about travel. So all of that is is whirling around us at the moment. And um, and that's a good point, uh, Paul, because uh, when, when we last had you on this podcast, we were uh, talking about the idea of bucket list holidays because we we had two years during the pandemic where we just simply couldn't get abroad. I mean, at, at certain points during the, the two years, we couldn't even leave our own counties or our own neighbourhoods in, in some of the months. And so the idea of getting away was just this beautiful idea of escapism and and 
actually, you're right, treating ourselves in 2022. So are, are we ditching the bucket list? No, I don't think it's it's something that you can uh, we can answer in it with a simple statement like that. It's not as if our you know our outlook has changed overnight. People definitely want to go to to go overseas. They definitely want the sun on their back. They definitely want to celebrate those missed occasions. We've been having those chats here ourselves. How can we get extended family together? Should now that we can travel. Um, I give you one example. My son and I started to watch Formula One in lockdowns and we're thinking maybe we should go and see a Grand Prix as a once in a lifetime holiday this year. So those conversations are still happening. But I just think we've had these these kind of dark clouds come over them a little bit. That That's where we're at. I'm seeing them now let's say in in the tourism sense you're seeing maybe people in north america who might have thought about traveling to ireland this year maybe thinking twice about it because they're seeing when they watch about the war in, in ukraine on cnn or whatever it may be the red ticker take at the bottom ticker tape at the bottom of their screen is saying war in europe mm. and even though kiev is two and a half thousand kilometers away from dublin as the crow flies there is a tendency when conflicts like this happen to bundle regions together. And we saw it in the, the Gulf uh, conflict in the 90s, is just one example. So all over the world, this has rattled people. I think people are thinking twice, but that's not to say they're suddenly taking travel off the agenda. You know, people continue to book. They are very aware that, you know, if they're thinking of an African safari, that's very far from what's going on. If they're thinking about transatlantic travel, which we've seen start up um, with with greater capacity and more routes since January. Transatlantic flights returned to Shannon, for example, last week for the first time in two years. Mm. So there is good news out there and there are a lot of travel possibilities. Uh, I don't want to give you the impression that suddenly we're all, you know, taking our fingers away from the book, book, book button. It's just that we now have this little wobble. When we talk about uh, travel in the context of cost of living, it, like everything else, is going up, uh, Paul. So not only are you trying to kind of um, manage your your household budgets, but you also have this issue of um, the price of holidays actually going up like everything else. And I mean, you know, there, there are very valid reasons for this, the cost of fuel. All those things uh, affect travel in the same way that they they hit our our own pockets here to fill up the car or whatever. Um, Is there a way to look at booking a holiday uh, where, you know, you don't have to break the bank, Paul? You're right to to point out there is a little bit of a perfect cost storm going on there. And and it's it's anything that affects you as a household is also affecting a hotel. You know, they're they're going, you're talking about the price of food coming in, the price of uh, gas, the price of electricity and so on. And they also have staffing issues and um, uh, insurance issues and so on. And they're battling to try and find out a way that doesn't present that as an extra bill to you when you get your your dinner or your pint at the bar and you pay for the overnight. And that's going to be a big challenge this year. But yes, there are ways around it. And that's the good news. And it's not as if I'm, you know, coming up with a completely new playbook here. You'll know a lot of these tips as well as I do. But the, the first one is to try and book early and try to book off peak. Now, it's well and good saying that. And I understand that people who are listening with with uh, school children, kids yeah. of school age will roll their eyes here and they'll say, well, I am tied to the midterm. I'm, I'm tied to Eastern. I'm tied to July and August. 
But if you if listeners have the flexibility, you can get dramatically lower prices. I just had a quick look on Ryanair. If you wanted to go to Faro in the Algarve flying out this week over the Paddy's Day double bank holiday, um, it would cost about 600 quid. But if you wait two weeks later to the off peak, you can do it for less than 100. So those are the kind of uh, savings you're talking about. And it's exactly the same when you talk about staycations in Ireland. Um, if you're looking for a popular resort, coastal hotel, you know, self-catering home by the sea in July and August, you're going to pay full whack. Yeah. But if you can if you can hunt a little bit around the fringes, uh, June even, uh, for the, the older kids who get their holidays earlier, or if you look at May and September, you can get the same warm weather you can get fewer crowds and and the the costs are a little bit lower so that that's kind of golden uh what would you call it eternal cost yeah, saving advice yeah. in travel you probably come up with that as well. Well, it, yeah, and it's great to keep those things in mind because, um, and it's, you know, whether it's, I would be telling uh, consumers regularly, poll, you know, to shop around and switch and save. And the same thing actually applies when you're booking a holiday. I mean, don't book the yeah. first hotel you come across, you know, do a little bit of due diligence and uh, spend the time finding out which is the cheaper and better option. That's correct. And uh, here's another tip for you. Lots of people use the big um, online uh, sites to search uh, for hotel stays and short breaks, whether it's in Faro or whether it's in uh, Kerry or Dublin or whatever it may yeah. be. But it, by all means, use those to search. They're great tools. But before you book, get in contact with the hotel or the hotels you're looking at directly. The reason for that is the big booking websites can charge a hotel or a B&B uh, up to 15 to 18% on top of their booking to deliver them the business. So if you book directly with the property, that's the kind of uh, percentage there is to play with. So they'll often offer, you'll see it on their websites, they'll offer things like um, 10, 15% off if you book direct. Um, if you get on the phone with them, you have a chance to do even better. I was booking a short breakaway in uh, Carlo recently. The online rate was something like, let's say, 320, 325 for all of us for a night. But on the phone, I asked, is that the best rate you can do? Just a simple question. And I we ended up getting it for 300. Now, we had to cancel in the end due to becoming <laughs> having close contact for oh, COVID no. in the family, <laughs> which is a whole new world we find ourselves in. But it kind of feeds into one other point that you can see the best deals are always available for advanced purchase rates that don't offer you flexibility or don't allow you flexible cancellations. So you need to build that in. I made sure when I was making that booking that I could cancel and I, I needed to call on that in that instance. And you can do it with most hotels. I booked another hotel for Belfast for next Monday night for myself for a, a work trip they're allowing me a 24-hour cancellation. And that's pretty standard. And it's similar when you're booking an overseas holiday, Siobhan. Um, you may pay a little bit extra going through a travel agent or a tour operator, but the protection they offer you, the flexibility with cancellations, the, the, the possibility of paying a deposit now and the rest of it a little bit later, I think a lot of people might find this peace of mind in that. And one other point about booking with people who do it as a full-time job is that you get a human being on the end of the phone exactly. who is aware, yeah, they're aware what the COVID restrictions are in Portugal versus Italy, in Iceland versus Switzerland. They let you know if things change. So it's just, um, if you're the kind of person who loves putting it together yourself, that's great. 
but others prefer to get um, a, a real life person at the end of the phone helping them out. And I'm a huge uh, fan of old school haggling. I will do this, even if I'm buying a pair of shoes in a shop pole, I will be like, well, is that the best you can do? And even if it's a couple of euro <laughs> off, off the price, sometimes I think they let me have a discount just to get me out of the shop. But you're dead right about I, haggling. I, I went, I'd, love if there was, I'd love if there was some kind of study done on this on the Irish personality because I go absolutely bright red when I have to haggle. <laughs> I have a real difficulty doing it. Even on the phone, I light up. But I've trained myself over the years just to put it as a simple question. Like I said to you there, is that the best you can do? And then to take a breath. Because my temptation is to kind of go in. It doesn't matter if you can't do any better. I just wanted to ask. I, I try and withhold that part of the sentence. <laughs> my, my, and oftentimes they will just come back and say yes or no. Well, that's it. I mean, you know, there, there's two answers here. Yes, we can give you a discount or no, absolutely not. Get the hell away from me. Um, I always find uh, turning on the, the charm and, and asking with the biggest smile uh, always works, uh, Paul. But like that, it was um, I, I had a stay at a hotel in Cork very recently and I had phoned in advance um, because like you, I found that there was a cheaper price on their website to uh, on the major book sites. And when I called to see if there was anything they could do on the price for me, um, they said, well, no, that is our best price. But we can upgrade you. We do we do have, uh, you know, a suite that's not booked that weekend and we can upgrade you. And, we, and I got a beautiful room, you know, at no extra charge. So it's well worth it. Yes, good for you. That's you're on the exact right track there. And interestingly, what you're illustrating there is is how a hotel can add value, or or how a, a resort or a property like that can. A lot of them, as we we started off our chat saying, their backs are to the wall with costs, and and those costs are coming through in their rooms and coming through in the food, and that's fair enough. But some areas uh, aren't hit as much. I was in a hotel recently, for example, that said they're they were offering golf packages. They had a golf course on the hotel site. And the reason why they were able to discount their golf more deeply than they were the other areas because the costs weren't going up in the same way. So they would add, say, do two nights accommodation with the dinner thrown in and a round of golf. And the total price for that package actually looked like good value. Whereas if they if you were just buying a night or just buying a dinner, it might have looked quite expensive to you. So the value is oftentimes in those bundles. If you get the two or three nights, they 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 have you on on site on resort. They're confident that if you're having a nice time, you'll spend at the bar. You you might buy a lunch. You might buy a spa treatment. So they will all often offer. You know, you stay three nights, you get fifteen percent off. Stay four nights, get twenty percent mm. off. That's one way of doing it. Another way they will add value for you if you ask is a kind of a resort style credit. We used to think of that in terms of American resorts or like you book a cruise holiday and they give you $100 of onboard spending credit. But more and more Irish hotels are offering that kind of thing because it will it offers you value. You can use it on your dinner or your treatment or your, I don't know whether you go on a boat trip or whatever. But once you're spending and once you're there, you're, you're likely to add on to it. So that's another question to ask on the phone. If you can't bring the price down, 
is there anything else you can offer us? And often it'll be, well, we do this set menu that we can throw in or we do the room upgrade like you got or we can offer you um, a, a complimentary activity. So you're absolutely right. The more you tell me to ask the questions, the more it's kind of confirming to me that it's the right thing to do. <laughs> The idea of last minute bookings. Um, now, this was something I would have uh, loved doing, um, time permitting, pre-pandemic poll, because you, you could see that cheap sun holiday deal uh, for a week away. And if you were, you know, I was self-employed at the time, so I could actually box off that week and take a very uh, cheap trip to Lanzarote or wherever. Um, is that still the case? Are last minute holidays still a good opportunity to seize? It's a good question. If you can stomach the stress of waiting to the last minute to book your holiday, they can all often pay off. I had a, a tour operator email me with their last minute specials just just a little while ago, and for a, a week ahead of us here, there was a they were offering a three star. A trip to uh, Gran Canaria for 369 per person, which is a it's a great price in this kind of environment to a destination we're all familiar, we're all comfortable with. And if you look ahead to summer and you were looking to book that, you'd pay multiples of it. But it's not not everybody can do this last minute thing. Like we mentioned, parents, people who are tied to work holidays and so on. But if you do have the flexibility, you are golden. You are the traveller that's going to get the best deals this year. If you can wait or if you can just search on Reiner or Erlingus or whoever it may be and go, oh, look, flights to Paris are looking good in the middle of May or in November or whatever. Let's do them. Or they look good tomorrow. Let's go now. But um, it's not it's not always the case. The other the other thing to just be cautious about with last minute bookings is there are areas where they don't always work out. Um, we mentioned that fuel costs might might lead to higher airfares, which might lead me to think that down the line air air travel could be a bit more expensive. So if you locked in flights now, you might possibly get them at a better rate. The other thing is the car hire, which is an important part of many people's holidays. Um, that can be something you can get better deals on by booking in advance. We know there's pressure on that because over the pandemic, lots of um, companies cut their fleets. So with rising demand, it's put a, an upwards pressure on pricing. But there is one little tip I can offer you as well around car hire. Lots of people tend to block book it for the seven or days or two weeks of the holiday. But I've found um, over the years that if you just book it for, say, a three-day period in the middle of the trip, and plan a few day trips and your shopping run to the supermarket and give it back or maybe do two of those two or four day periods rather than the 14 days you can save a lot of money. That's fantastic, Paul. Actually, I always uh, tell people, take photographs if you're renting a car. Every single day you're using that car, you know, so that there's absolutely no doubt you have everything documented in photographs that, no, you didn't scrape the side of the car or you didn't do something to the car, just in case when you return it, um, you know, the, the, there are any kind of accusations leveled at you. Yeah, you're right. That's 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 great practice. And one thing I found is get me put my mind at ease. You'll, the more you talk to me, you'll realize that peace of mind is just my governing philosophy. Yeah. Whenever I go away, I want the minimum stress. Mm. But um, a car hire excess insurance policy is an annual policy that you will buy. I pay 50 or 60 quid, I think, for it. And it takes care of the excess on each each time you rent a car. It's just so you don't you know the way when you're you land off the plane, you go to you're tired, the kids are cranky 
obviously you go in to pick up the rental car and you're hit with this upsell. Well, do you want the super duper insurance that covers you from X, Y and Z? And, you know, this will reduce your excess from 1700 to zero. And you're just too tired to deal with it all. But if you get if it's if you're traveling and renting a car regularly, definitely look at that. It's one. It's kind of a way of, of like with buying an annual travel insurance policy. It's a way of taking, you know, cutting your costs over the course of the year. I guess just finally, um, packing light, that can save you money as well. Uh, Luggage charges are extreme, aren't they, Paul? (laughs) That's a great tip. I was looking back uh, for another story this week over the the kind of the the the, the uh, life of baggage charges and ancillary fees, as we call them in travel, over the years. And Ryanair started out with these yonks ago uh, in the 20, in the noughties, at charging 350 a bag. And there was uproar. <laughs> but nowadays, <laughs> to get bags into the hold on a flight to somewhere like the Canaries can add hundreds yeah. to the cost of your holiday. So yes, st- uh, I think the best packing tip I ever got was to keep a list. And when you come home, you just draw a line through the stuff you didn't use. So you'll very quickly shame yourself for having brought the hairdryer and the four different pairs of shoes. And you'll start to think, you know, um, when I go ahead the next time, this is what we can all fit into one bag. It's just a little bit of forward planning. Um, it's when the, another cost thing is we're talking about costs. It's about once you book your package, once you book your flight and your hotel, that's only the start of it. We mentioned the car hire. There's also the eating out. There's the extra fees. There's the ways you want to treat yourself on the holidays. So it's always worth having a little look at that. Um, you know, whether it's you just sit down with a glass of wine a couple of weeks out and go, look, we would love to eat out every night, but let's just do it three nights. Let's let the kids know. Um, let's skip the pricey hotel breakfasts and just have the, you know, have a light lunch up at our our breakfast up at our apartment that kind of thing or let's get mum and dad to drop us off at the airport rather than getting a taxi all of those costs over the course of a week or two of a holiday can add up so much but by a little bit of kind of judicious pruning let's say and managing of expectations you can bring them down fairly substantially Paul, that is amazing advice as always. Thank you so much for joining me today. I, I, I can't wait now to start uh, planning my next cheap trip. <laughs> Send me a postcard. I will. I'm Siobhan Maguire and today's episode of the Indo Daily was presented and produced by myself, research by Tabitha Monaghan with sound design by John Smith. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, please like, follow or leave a review.